Welcome to the New Dutch One Podcast. Uh, my name is Isaac Kamins. This is a bi-weekly podcast where my friend Jess and I discuss internal martial arts, qigong, and meditation. Uh, this week we continue our discussion on the 1993 article from Qi Journal about Taoist meditation. Uh, we talk about Leo Hongjie's uh, meditation some more. We talk about developing power for meditation, uh, avoiding psychic addiction, how mental health and uh, emotional maturity factor into doing these practices, and a few other things. Um, and then we talk about the second swing some more. We get into more the uh, the spiraling in the upper body and how the second swing energizes uh, the area around the liver and the spleen. And we finish up by talking about how to apply the second swing or the swings in general to uh, martial arts. All right. Uh, enjoy and thanks for listening. Welcome back to the Nage Atron podcast with Isaac and Jess. We're talking about opening the energy gates of your body by BK Francis, and we're following the different chapters on both the history of the set as well as the training and uh, doing of the set. Um, the last couple episodes we've been profiling the life of Leo Hung Jae and we've been digging into different articles where uh, some of his teachings appear and some of the sort of the, the rest of the story about him as it exists because he's quite a mysterious figure. There's not much about him out there. We're looking at an article from Chi Journal 1993. Kumar Francis, an informal discussion on Taoist meditation part one at some of the materials there that mention Leo Hung Jae. So here's another paragraph. In Taoist meditation, the initial object is to develop as much energy as possible, but not from the point of obtaining power. This is what traps people in the early stages. They become energy junkies. My teacher Leo put it very well. He said you'd be better off with an opium habit because you only need the opium. As soon as one life is over, the drug addiction is finished. But if you get addicted to psychic energy, the desire for psychic energy will endure for countless rebirths. It will not be something that you can drop with the life that has initiated this habit. It goes with you. And so that, that, that paragraph struck me because it's such a cosmic look at life as just one incarnation after another. And how a physical, you know, something physical is, drops away, but a desire for psychic power continues from lifetime to lifetime. Um, and it's talking about developing energy in Taoist meditation. That reminds me of Qigong, where you're, you're physically developing yourself and developing your energy body. But apparently there's other levels to it. I don't know if you want to say anything on that or... I mean, I think for the purposes of this, that, you know, energy gates or qigong is the strengthening the vessel, right? So that when you actually do the practice of meditation, the physical vessel is intact and more comfortable. And it gives you the sort of the raw power for doing the meditation right so the power you use in meditation isn't the same kind of power that you use in martial arts obviously it's more of a mental power if you will um but it's still addictive you know that, that people this is the sort of the guru syndrome right people who sit in their room and meditate by themselves and then end up thinking that they're special because of it and it's like well you didn't do anything that a you know million other people haven't done you just don't have reality kicking you in the face. So, you know, the part of it is, um, you know, it's, it's still a body practice. 
So, I mean, that this is the first time we've run across this in the stuff we've been looking at, this psychic level of power, but there's this, in this, uh, in this system, there's your, your different energy bodies include your physical body, your energy body, your emotional body, your mental body, your physical, your psychic body that sort of expand out from inside you. And so this is where Leo Hung Jae is, his training's taking place on these higher energy bodies, it sounds like, that are more difficult to, you know, it takes sustained awareness and meditation and practice to work on those type of levels. I think it's the same practices, but that as you go through it, it's like you, deeper levels, right? So from a practical standpoint, you're not doing anything really different. It's just as you peel away the layers and, you know, the longer you do it, the better you get at it and the, and the deeper you can go and, mm. the, and the, you know, quieter you can be as you go. The next thing he says is, in the first level of Taoist meditation, one spends a long time learning to become a mature human being. My teacher, Leo, and I spent a long time on this. And so that sounds like there, before you go off to the realms of working with the psychic and the spirit, becoming a mature human being is the first task. And maybe that could be one of the hardest tasks of all, I suspect. Yeah, I mean, I think in some ways that's where it shouldn't be a substitute for dealing with your emotional issues. Mm. You know, that You're not you, trying to push aside your emotions and stuff. If you have mental health issues, you shouldn't look at this stuff as a substitute for getting help. Right. Right. It, it's a it's a tool to sort of fine tune your mind, but it still, you know, has these uh, inherent risks to it. So you have to be careful that when you embark on these journeys that you're doing it safely. Right. It's like anything else. It's you could learn tennis, but you still need to deal with any psychological issues with a qualified professional. You can learn this, but you still need to work on psychological issues with a professional. Yeah, and I'm not saying this won't help those. Just totally. But, but uh, you know, helping something and, and healing it aren't the same thing. You know? Right, and I think the sense here is that as you go and sort of strengthen your mind and become more and more powerful, you want to keep yourself on a track as a person, too, with your relationships, with yourself self-talk stuff like that you know it's not gonna be the the be all and end. just like qigong is not gonna fix every problem you've got you still need to go to the doctor once in a while and get checked out and make sure you're doing okay you know yeah it's sort of why you wouldn't ha have a child meditate right like that you know at a certain point the, the mind has to reach a certain level of maturity just to be able to deal with what comes up and so i think that's what he's saying that you know you have to be able to for example, you have to be able to look at things like sex and um, attraction and, and all these other feelings that we, you know, in the West sometimes get muddled up with uh, religious beliefs, you know. And, and so you have to be able to look at these things kind of from a neutral standpoint because they're in there, you know. And um, when you're dissolving stuff, it doesn't matter where it came from necessarily where in therapy it matters right mm -hmm. so so you're not trying to figure out why these things exist necessarily you're just trying to uh use this tool yeah and let their energy run its course that doesn't necessarily explain anything it's it's fairly mechanical in nature well mo moving ahead to another quote about leo hung in this article Taoism and the Five Elements. My teacher, Liu Hongjie, explained that every human being is composed essentially of five elements or five phases of energy. 
Some of those phases of energy are conducive towards people who have extremely carnal appetites to the point where not just sex, but food and other things are somewhat necessary to fulfill their basic, basic nature. So there's some people who are built for this, whereas other people have different balances of the five elements, which make them essentially predisposed toward intellectual pursuits and physical things, but not towards the carnal pleasures of the world. Some people are extremely prone toward literally wanting to deal with psychic nature of things, while some people are not. You have to go what your, particularly body, what your particular body energy type is. So he's referring to five elements here of earth, fire, water, metal, wood, and those, each, diff, each person has a personality style that is reflected more strongly with one of these elements than the other four. Yeah, I think on, a, on one level that's just saying that, you know, people are inherently different you know, we have different constitutions. And so how you approach things is going to be different and you should adjust your meditation practice mm -hmm. accordingly. Um, you know, that if you're a quote, really fiery person, you don't want to do a practice that's going to make you more fiery. You yeah. want to do something that's going to balance that out. And so that sort of thing. And that it's natural for some people to have certain appetites that others don't. And some people find great enjoyment out of things that you have no interest in you know it's just for sure there's yeah. no one way to do this stuff no there's a whole lot I mean, there's as many ways to do this as there are people right but you can break it into a five you can break people up into five sort of vague groups by using that five elemental it's awareness it's the same way it's the same way you know psychology they break you know they have archetypes sure. for personalities right sure this was just a this was sort of a precursor to that type of thing where there were you know there are general types of people and so you know and then more specific from there so he speaks on master leo here mr master leo for example only had sex in his life to have children because he was a confucian he was obligated to produce offspring for his family but after he'd finished his obligations, he never had sex again in the rest of his life. It's not that he disliked it. He just found the idea of it absolutely uninteresting. But as he had such a powerful metal energy that he was born with, he was an intellectual to the arch degree. He could sit, read, and devour libraries, gaining the same enjoyment a carnal type of person would obtain from sex or food. So that was a pretty funny quote. Just like Master Leo would just absorb and, and devour libraries with the same gusto that someone would just pig out at a huge meal or you know, go after tons of liquor or whatever. To him, it, he found that enjoyment in the literary pursuits. Yeah, I think there's a lot of parallels in Western culture of, you know, being people who are um, just more interested in things that aren't necessarily physical, but have the same, they get the same pleasure from it, right? Yeah. Well, this is nice because it gives everyone equal position. I think in our society, it's more scattered where... Some person's a jock or some person's a nerd or a geek or, you know, whatever, a musician. Like, there's not a nice five-part archetype that you can right. fit everything into that makes it make sense a little bit. I, you know, I'm attracted well, to that orderliness. And, and specifically the, the, um, specifically the idea of, like, the warrior healer type, right? The meditator fighter person. That that, that dichotomy of, of, you know, how can you be in the you know, beating someone's ass and at the same time be, you know, peaceful, right? And and so that that's, a, I think, a core sort of thing in the Taoist martial art scene. Continuing on into chapter eight on the second swing, do not turn your knees as you pivot. So I think 
that topic has come up repeatedly when it comes to the swings. It sure the, has. You know, you just can't emphasize enough. You, you want your knee to be springy. You want it to be light. You don't want it to be crunching down and twisting onto it. So check yourself frequently. You know, pause your movement, bounce on that leg a little bit. Am I experiencing pain in that knee? Check yourself. You know, don't, don't overdo it because you think it looks right. I think that lesson just comes again and again. I mean, that, that's one of the, you know, we, were, we talked a lot about it, I think, in the last episode about just how the, the safety precautions you have to take with the second swing are a little more uh, than you have to do with the first swing because the, the torque on your knee when you turn in the opposite direction puts pressures on it that, um, you know, that they, you can hurt yourself a little bit uh, easier than you can going the other way. You know, most people naturally can turn toward their weighted foot a lot easier than turning away from their weighted foot. Um, and this is a big part of why practices like Santi or the single palm change in Bagua are such a a big part of the tra- you know, the the training because just getting that one piece is such you know it's just such a crucial part so this type of turning motion um that you're doing in the second and third swing is really about um how to protect your knees i mean and this comes up if you're walking if you're running doing any kind of action where you might be uh, having to put pressure on your leg and at the same time sort of push off of it and turn a little bit. Yeah, the um, ballistic type of movement. Yeah, it's a it's a common injury, right? That you know this sort of twisting injury. So this is just a way of protecting your joints. And once you get that second swing going, and you don't overdo it, but over time it'll it'll help build that resilience in your knees and your waist, and it'll help link all those movements. You just we just keep warning not to overdo it at first. You want to well, yeah, just program the, the, the dimensions rather than doing it real hard. You want to um, do it really correct. There's, there's, without going too deep into it, there's what you do if you're healthy. There's what you do if you're uh, weak but healthy and you just want to get stronger. There's what you do if you're sick and something is like, you know, need, it needs to be strengthened. And then there's what you do if you're like damaged, right? So if you're damaged, if you have a bad knee or something like that, the way you practice this, if you practice this at all, is very different from the way you practice it if you're healthy. So we're talking about mostly what you do if you're healthy. Right. So that it so that if you don't have any hip or knee or, or joint problems, you can turn to 45 degrees. Uh, if you do have any of those things, then again, you have to change the, you know, adjust accordingly. So at this point you've turned and stepped out with one foot while being planted on the other. So the next direction is to pivot the hip and foot back to the original position. He points out again, the angle of the ball of the foot, the heel, the knee, the crest of the hip and the groin must remain perfectly aligned throughout the turn. So those, all those links in the chain, none of those change or distort. They just stay as one connected piece that you lift up and set down back in a neutral position. Right. I mean, again, we, I think I hammered this in, but it's worth repeating that um, if you take that line down your sort of 
side channel on one on the unweighted side so your arm and your leg and your whole torso on that side are lined up when you turn to the side those things are all still lined up and you don't twist your torso uh the you also don't do any kind of uh leaning side to side with like where you lift one hip up or drop one shoulder um so this idea you know these four points this this box that you make with your torso is that when you turn that box doesn't break its structure uh and that that that's a you know a lot harder than it sounds yeah shift weight 100 percent and pivot in the other direction so now that you put your foot down now you shift onto that one and you open up the hip on the other side so that's he cautions that if the weight is only shifted 50 percent when going to the side this can easily lead to knee strain all weight shifts must be 100%. You want to be all the way on one side before you lift the other one up in the air. And when you do lift it, check your balance. Are you throwing yourself off in one way or the other? Figure out what it takes to lightly lift your leg and keep your whole body very stable. Right, so the reason he says that is if your weight isn't all the way, right, so if you're shifting towards the right but you're not all the way there, when you kind of jerk yourself to pick that leg up the last little bit, it puts extra pressure on your joints because you, you can't, you know, you have to get your foot off the ground somehow. And if your weight's not all the way there, what happens is you kind of throw your shoulders back and you jerk your body and that picks your foot up, which that's the, uh, what you don't want to do. Right. And so this is working on how to pick up your foot and turn so that if you have to do those kinds of motions, you do them without, uh, damaging your joint. Exactly. Specifically, your, mostly your knee joint is definitely. The... So okay, now we move on to the arm swings for the second swing. Now, what the arms do is not so different from the first swing. As far as the physical movement of it, the first swing and second swing, the arms are exactly the same. The difference is that because of the way you're turning the legs in the second swing gives it a little more torque a little more momentum the arms tend to go a little higher mm -hmm. right they so, naturally lift up a little as yeah you go. the the mistake people make is they sort of pull their arms up to try to get them to go higher which isn't what you want to do it's just that it's a it's a bigger arc with your legs so it's like you're, you know, if you just think about swinging a, a stick back and forth, instead of swinging it from 45 degrees to 45 degrees, now you're swinging it from 90 degrees to 90 degrees. Mm -hmm. And so just that increase of motion um, speeds everything up and your arms just kind of swing a little bit faster. And as they swing a little bit faster, they go a little bit higher. Um, and it, it shouldn't... Uh, it, it's one of those things that you just, it, it gradually increases as you go, but it's not that you try to put any force into it. Your arms are still just basically hanging there like wet noodles. Mm -hmm. um, and just like the first swing, the movement of the legs and the torso gets the arms to do it. And now over time, feel how they strike a little higher. You'll feel it's, um, he puts it as here, uh, the palm touches the front of the body and the back of the hand touches the back of the body, as your hips loosen and the arc of the hips increase, your hands will swing higher, eventually hitting between the navel and the solar plexus, where the middle internal organs are located. 
Yeah. So, so you're reaching this higher level of this band of other organs yeah, across the middle of your body. Exactly what I just said, basically. Yeah, that, that as you speed up, it goes a little bit higher. So you're t- now you're targeting those, um, you know, those middle and upper middle organs. And So the next teaching is to let the chi from the palms penetrate to the vital organs by touching very lightly. Over time, you can tap the body harder, allowing the energy to penetrate deeper and deeper. Under no circumstances, hit it with any force or penetration or pain. Yeah, I mean, this is that, uh, I think we talked a little bit about this with the foot, but there's a certain pressure if you just let your hand sort of drop, you know, from like four or five inches above your leg, if you just let it drop. Not swing your arm and slap your leg, but just just give it up, right? Just take up, you know, your arm is up and you just let it, let it drop. Um there's a certain amount of pressure when it hits. And so what the swings in, I mean, in general, but what you're doing is as that thing hits your body and there's that little bit of pressure, you're absorbing that pressure, taking it down to your feet and then springing it back up. Right. So there's, and, and that's what moves your arm back in the other way. So there's this almost like you're catching a ball with your hip, and then swinging it down to your foot and then it comes back up ball is your hand right so as your hand sort of swings up and hits your body you're dropping a little bit you're you're sinking onto your weighted leg as your hands are hitting your body so that pressure is going down and through your leg into the ground and not into your body and this is the beginning of things like, for example, about how to take blows in martial arts. It's not that you train yourself to be this sort of iron shirt, right? That they can take blows from the outside. This is the method of you become a big squishy ball that can just absorb whatever comes into it and spit it back out. Um, uh lee talked about this in his in the interview we did that's on our patreon where you know he saw bruce absorb somebody's hand and the guy couldn't even pull it back out (laughs) and it's that kind of squishy softness where the softness becomes uh hard if you will right that the it's so soft that any force that hits it just bounces right off much like a like a you know, if you think about a, a wave, right, that when a, a really big wave hits you, it doesn't feel soft, but if you, you can put your hand through it, right, this is that same kind of energy. When you swing your arm, you know, to you, it feels soft and squishy, but if somebody were in the way of it, it wouldn't feel soft and squishy to them. Um, a lot of weight comes behind that arm. Right. And so it's the same sort of thing with your body where it's, it's soft and squishy, but it has this um, springiness like a, I, I think of a jellyfish or, you know, some sort of amoeba type thing. But something that just, you know, can can absorb and squish, but then come back out. Like an octopus is a really good image, too. And I think this second swing is the place where you begin to develop that move, that li- that light movement that contains a lot of heavy weight behind it. And I become more adroit on your feet with that. So you're able to move more freely than the previous exercises that are all, you know, planted on the feet. This really brings a lighter rising energy into your body as you do these. 
Yeah, I mean that that goes back to those those burners, right? That um, each burner, in a sense, is also a a, a direction. You know, the, the the lower burner is down, the middle burner is out, and the upper burner is up. And so, with each swing, it's like the 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 first swing is definitely all everything dropping, going down. The second swing is sort of that sense of going down to make something come up. Uh, you know, if you think about how you're you're swinging your arms, but you're dropping your body a little bit to keep think to keep that sort of pung in your body, which even more so in the third swing. But we'll get to that. So the final piece here on the second swing is to spiraling arms circulate chi. As the arms swing away from the body, let them naturally twist so that the energy goes from the dantian up the spine to the fingertips and out into space away from the body. As the arms come in, energy from the air enters the body through the hands. This is the cultivation of center to periphery and from periphery to center. So he's saying that there's a light twist in the arms as you turn and swing each direction that creates a spiraling and twisting action. That's, that's physically drawing energy in or sending it away from you, from your palms. And we talked about spiraling a little bit. This is the passive thing of spiraling where you're not yet trying to actively do any kind of spiral, but just this motion gets your arm to do a little bit of this twisting, spiraling motion. And over time, it, um, it trains your body to do it and then that gets your energy to do it and so there's this it's like you suggested almost that okay i want my arms to twist as i as i do this but it's really the relaxing and just letting your arms not have any tension in them that is all you're doing that that it's it's like if you relax your arms and you swing your body your arms will twist a little bit but you don't want to put any kind of torque in your arms. So in a way, it'll uncover itself over time. The more you can let your arms go, the more you'll find that spiraling twist start to inhabit it. Yeah, and then once it starts happening, you can encourage it, but you don't want to... Because um, if you just sort of force your arm to twist back and forth, chances are you're just going to miss the thing that's happening naturally. So it's, you know, again, it's this thing of... of the emphasis in all of this stuff is to just let your body be as um, soft as possible. And soft doesn't mean limp, you know, it, it, that this is the softness of Tai Chi, not of, of collapsing your body. So this is the softness of you still can hold your arm up in the air, um, but you're just not using any tension to do it. Uh, and the second swing, I think, is particularly challenging for a lot of people because they think they can do it and and so you 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 look at it you go oh i can do that and so there's this tendency to um kind of half-ass it do it okay and then say okay now i'm going to go on to the third swing and i think that's a big mistake because there's a lot of stuff in the second swing that's um, it's very subtle, especially that stuff with the legs that we talked about. But just in terms of the twisting of the arms, it, it takes a long time to get to where 
you're getting that rising action of your arm and everything to twist from your shoulder out to your fingertip. So although, you know, he kind of brushes past it, that's a very profound little piece of, of training there to get the arms to spiral. Exactly. So I wanted to touch on something that to me is an important part of uh, my experience training the second swing with you is that this is in our martial arts training where it feels like you really find a way to turn your body to swing your arm and hit somebody really hard. Like the previous steps were, were building up to this, but now when you take it, when you turn your body and take a step at the same time, as you move your arm and all those are coordinated, you know, I can remember sparring matches where I just lightly turned my body to let me, and my arm just swung off me like as hard as could be. And there, there's something about that second swing. Like, what would you recommend if someone wanted to transfer using this to martial arts? What would be maybe the first place to try that or an exercise or a concept? Oh, uh, I mean, it's, it, it, I think it's for all anyone that wants to do this movement, but it applies to martial arts, which is you get the sense that your arms are in the same position they were in when you're doing the standing. All right, so they're at your side. You've got the shoulder blades opened up. You've got your chest down. You've got that little bit of a twist so that your palms face backwards. And you maintain that shape as you turn. And the only thing that really pivots is your from your elbow to your fingertip, right? So that your shoulder, your upper arm, everything else is fairly static and you just swing that little thing so that way your arm's not going to swing across your body your elbow's not going to swing across your body and close your armpit so your arms don't flop across your body they stay right. sort of open slightly at the shoulders and, and if you maintain that as you turn and you hit something i'm gonna <laughs> unplug everything <laughs> you computer when, you, when you swing and that thing's intact it's almost like you know it, it feels like you're swinging a bat or something and it, yeah and it, it has this really uh heavy power to it to me this is that swing that's a a backhanded slap or a roundhouse swing of some kind whereas the third swing is more that uppercut rising as you strike like pow trend in, in shingy this second swing is more that set first palm change where you just turn your body the same direction you're swinging and it creates just this horizontal type of force yeah it's a it's a mid-level kind of a strike right so you could use that backhand you could use that hammer fist yeah. whatever it's turning to chop um and and again it's when you use it in martial arts you're rarely going to turn you know as far as you would in doing the swings it's much more about being able to just generate a little burst of power in a small space and and hit something and come back so uh, on that level it, it you know that has no particular health benefit it's more just like okay if i want to if i want to use this to um for example uh if you're golfing or something like that right it's that ability to you know turn away from your weighted side and not torque your knee or if you're any activity i mean if you're swinging a bat for any reason right uh and so it, it becomes about just flexibility and stability in your legs and how that transfers to your arm i mean think about you know if you have a stick or a bat 
and you're swinging it to hit something, you want your arms intact. You don't want your arms to be too floppy, right? So this is about getting it so you still have that sense of your arm being solid. Mm -hmm. Structure is there, but there's a whip to it. That's... Right. It's a it's a soft power. You know, I mean, it's it sounds corny because everybody uses that term, but that's what it is. It's it's a power that's based on relaxing and letting the body find its natural, you know, alignment rather than a power based on force. Well, and looking further at this, there's, you know, there's the outward whipping of the second swing. There's also the returning inward hooking swing. So that's where you find yourself, as you pull back from any type of action, you can hit to the body on the way back in. It's where you can slap coming inside. You know, say you use the back of your hand to slap out. You can create equal force swinging back in, which is a beautiful piece of the second swing. Your returning arm could just be a knockout hit to the kidneys. For close shots especially, it seems like. Turn in. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, the way, you know, I mean, and this is a little off topic, but the way it goes is that, you know, your hand should go out and it should do some damage and then it should come back in and it should do some damage, right? That, that the, each, each time your hand goes out and back should be two hits, right? Or at, at least a block and a hit, right? right. That, that the 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 first part of the motion could be a counter and the second could be a hit or the first part could uh, be a hit and the second could be a counter but that you have to have you know the, this sense of it doing both going out and coming back which it's is like you're on your way back before you've completed the out your body's already coming back so it's it's swinging that arm back in it becomes really lively in other words when you go to chop and hit somebody your arm is so flexible that when you make contact, you can either retract and go back or swing underneath and around. It just gives you way more flexible options um, when your arm's going out, you know? I don't know, somebody once put it as a baseball analogy, but it said when you hit the person, that's only second base. The first time you hit them is second base, right? The home run is when you come back, you know, because either it's that the, 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 first hand has pulled their head down and now the second one smashes them in the back of the neck or it's that the first one is going to hit them again in the opposite direction and then the second one is going to follow through with a double shot so you know it, it's this it's this sort of machine gun aspect yeah. where each one is followed by another followed by another followed by another and you conserve your energy in a such a way with this swing that it allows you to come back and forth again and again without resetting because your body's doing the swinging back and forth so once you get it it makes for a really flexible type of striking it's it's speed bag punching with your whole body right so the way if you know a boxer will do the thing with the speed bag that you know there's the hit and then they have to wait for the thing to come back and hit it again and, and there's a certain timing to waiting it for it to bounce back and bounce back and bounce back and bounce back that's the same thing that's happening here so in the swing, what you're doing is you're, you're training that sensitivity, that bounce, right? So when, by hitting your own body, right? So you hit yourself, you know, tap yourself in the stomach, that force, you move with it. So you get mm -hmm. out of the way of it, absorb it, and then you send it back, which is exactly what you would do if you were, you know, trying to take somebody's arm and pull it to the side and then smack them in the face or something. Right. So you never, it's not like a lunging punch where you point, 
swing away from yourself. It's like your arm goes out, but it's already on its way back to set up a second, third, fourth, just in a, in a figure eight kind of way that it never comes to an end. It's always coming back again to come back out. Yeah, it's the perpetual sort of wind, windmill type of action. I mean, just off the top of my head, I can recall doing, you know, circling hands with Kumar one time, and I managed to get a shot up towards his head, and sure enough, he blocked it, and that hand already came around. It slapped me right in the side of the head with that same loop, you know, that my direct, he had caught my swing and already had it coming back at me before I, I thought I was about to land it. And that's that loop that the second swing gives you where it just recycles itself again and again. So it becomes really efficient. You don't use a lot of energy when you're blocking and striking. It's kind of... Yeah, nice. I mean, that, that's its whole, um, you know, I mean, in terms of in, in, the nagong of it, right? In terms of that that idea of just recycling and, and continuously being able to, to strike and absorb and strike and absorb and strike and absorb and strike and absorb, strike and absorb is, is, you know, that's... that's it's a very, it's, again, it's like a machine gun versus a musket. You know, if you have to reload every time you hit it, it's pretty slow, but if you can hit and then hit and then hit and then hit without having to reload, it just gives you this kind of, you know, advantage. All right. Great speaking with you, man. Glad to see you. It's been a while, bro. Yeah. It's nice to do it in person. All right. Take care. Hey folks, Isaac again. Uh, just a quick note. Uh, if you haven't checked out our interview with Lee Birkins, it's on our Patreon now. And if you have any questions for us, feel free to email us. Let us know uh, things you want to hear about for next season. Um, questions you have about stuff we've talked about in the past. Things like that. All right. Uh, again, thanks for listening. Thanks for the support. And take care.